Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled In Plain Sight. But before we do that, we need to get to the news. According to Variety.com, the CW is developing a series about Superman and Lois Lane starring Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tulloch. The potential series would follow the world's most famous superhero and comic book's most famous journalist as they deal with all the stress, pressures, and complexities that come with being working parents in today's society. The Flash showrunner Todd Helbing will write and executive produce with Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, and Jeff Johns also executive producing. Berlanti Productions will produce in association with Warner Brothers Television, where Berlanti and Helbing are currently under overall deals. So, Morgan, what are your thoughts on this news? Huh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's happening. <laughs> is the thing is is the thing that is happening. Uh you, you and I have talked uh just talked a little bit back and forth this week about this. I I'm not thrilled at the idea of like kind of cannibalizing Supergirl's audience with this Superman show because I do think that a lot of people are going to be like oh great there's a Superman show and Supergirl is going to get a little bit less respect I think Supergirl has always been in Superman's shadow finally she was breaking free she was like that's it I don't you know I'm my, I'm my own person and I don't need my cousin and we're going to get, you know, his boots don't need to be in every, <laughs> every episode of this show. And, uh, and, and now it's kind of like, he's back. Yeah. I don't mind him as a guest star while Supergirl is airing, but for him to have his own series is a totally different animal. And I think, I think I kind of bumped myself out by like reading comments because I like, oh, oh opened one of those, you know, maybe it was on Facebook or something or one of the places. And a lot of the comments were like, okay, great. Well, I mean, I guess Supergirl's ending. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I read a lot about that too, about uh, I saw one tweet from, from a news outlet that was like, finally a Superman show that's not about his cousin. And I was like, oh, well, that just, uh, uh. Val- that validates all my fears about this. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, his cousin has a name. <laughs> You monster. <laughs> yeah. 
I just have so many complicated feelings about this because I think a lot of it for me and my reaction to it, because I, I, over the last four years, I've always been a Supergirl fan, but over the last four years in doing this podcast, I've become very personally attached to Kara and or Linda, as the case may be in some versions of Supergirl, and I'm very protective of her. And so when I feel like she's being a little disrespected, it uh, it sends my uh, my blood pressure up a little bit. So I try to de-stress. But I think the reason that I got a little irritated with this when I first saw it, because I always kind of figured that this was a possibility because Tyler Hecklin's Superman is very popular. People seem to like him. The CW is always looking to make another superhero show. So I always kind of felt like it was going to happen. But I think my problem is the timing of this. I wouldn't have minded a Superman Lois Lane show sometime in the future. But the the fact... So we have all the Supermen being the big focus of Crisis, which is a story that plays heavily into Supergirl's history in the comics. Uh, she was killed in that story because they wanted to make Superman special again. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Just keep that con- <laughs> keep keep that context in mind when we talk about this. Uh, so so Crisis on Infinite Earth should be a big deal for Kara, theoretically. Uh, maybe maybe you know you could argue that this is an adapted TV version of it, so they don't have to adhere to the comics. But to pay homage to that would be nice. So. Crisis has all this Superman focus. So I was already kind of like, I feel like Supergirl's getting pushed to the side. Then we get this news about this TV series in development just within the last couple of weeks of that crisis stuff happening. So it just feels like there's so much focus on Superman that Supergirl is going back in the shadow of him. And that does irritate me a little bit as a Supergirl fan. And I think if they had done what Arrow is doing with the Canaries show, so Canaries is, if people don't know, if you don't watch Arrow, God bless you, that's probably better for you. (laughs) But but, um, what Arrow has done is Arrow is setting out into the sunset this season. Oliver Queen, his story is going to finish, but the CW is developing this uh, spinoff series called Canaries that will feature uh, Black Siren, uh, I guess, Dinah's Black Canary, and uh, Mia, Oliver and Felicity's daughter in the future. I don't know. There's going to be some some mixture of that. I don't know how they're going to really do it. But that's coming off the heels of Arrow ending, which I totally get. I think that's great because it's ending one chapter, starting another one. That is cool with me. So I think if they had done it like that, if Supergirl was going to end and they wanted to continue this universe of Kryptonian characters, then do the Superman show, I think I would have been more than okay with that because they would have given Supergirl her time to shine and then start a new chapter focusing on Superman stories. That would have been, I would have been A-okay with that. But it seems like, and of course, we don't have a lot of information to go on at this point. We don't know how many episodes it will be. We don't know when it will air. Uh, We we have no idea, no idea how this is going to go down. But it sounds like it might possibly, there is that possibility that it will be competing with Supergirl at some level, that they will be airing around the same time frame. 
Maybe not on the same night, but maybe uh, during the week. So you might have a Superman show one night and a Supergirl show the next. That That is concerning to me because it does make Supergirl less special. Some people would say, oh, Rebecca, you're being paranoid and crazy. It will make Supergirl less special. It just will. Um, so that that does upset me in that regard. And I try to think about it like comic books. Like you have the Superman books and then you have Supergirl books. But I don't know. With TV, it's a totally different animal. I mean, I think if it was like a summer show or a winter show, like a hiatus show, I could maybe or like a and I guess we don't know how long it's going to be or, you know, when when it's going to air. I feel like if it was like a a short season show, kind of like a special event show, I would maybe be like a little bit more chill about it. Same here. If they if they had a Supergirl season that would go until May and then they started picking up with Superman Lois Lane from June to August or September, I would be totally into that. That would be a great way to have Kryptonian stories all year round. That would that I'd be into that. Um, but yeah, I it just it just doesn't feel right to me. And I, you know, part of me is like like, like joking in my brain. Finally, finally, they're making a Superman TV series. There have been so many Superman shows. Oh my god. <laughs> there was Lois and Clark. There was Smallville. There was the. There was a Superman show like back in the nineteen fifties. George Reeves. George Reeves. They had two versions of Superboy. They had Superman the animated series. They had Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. There have been so many different uh, series of Superman on television, and Superman has had a long history of television series. So he does well on TV, and maybe that's what the WB is thinking because. They totally crapped on my favorite Superman in the films. Uh, so there's that. Maybe that also uh, plays a little personal part in why I'm uh, <laughs> upset about all this Superman business. Um, but the so Superman has done well on TV, so they probably want to try to stretch more of that out. But it's just like, come on. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm in wait-and-see mode at this point. Um, we don't... If if you're wondering how Supergirl Radio is going to handle this, we don't know. Yeah, we have we haven't decided. We've we have some thoughts about how we might do it. I don't know. We'll find. We'll we'll see. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to talk about that when we when we address like how we handle that because it's just uh, it's one of those things where Supergirl Radio. I have always felt, and I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, but it should be if we're going to do a podcast about Supergirl, it should be Supergirl focused. And uh, so I don't know how we would treat Superman content. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where we're going to have to wait and see and then just figure it out when the time comes. But I don't know. I'm glad for people who are uh, big fans of the Superman and Lois in the Arrowverse. You'll get to see more of them. And I'm very excited for those people. Um, but this this news has bummed me out a little bit. Trying to keep an open mind out about it, but... It's it's been a little rough, so we'll we'll see what happens when when we get more information. Hopefully, hopefully it will be handled better than I think it is right now. Because right now it, uh, it feels like they have not taken the sensitivity of the time into consideration. Yeah, the timing seems just off. Honestly, <sighs> well, 
hopefully, uh, hopefully things will will pick up from here and uh, it will make more sense down the road. We have no idea what they're planning uh, behind closed doors. So maybe they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, but as, as far as what we can see, uh, I, I'm just going to wait and see uh, until we have more information. Well, uh, that is the uh, the big news uh, and the only news that we have for this week. Thank goodness. I don't think I could have taken any any more news. That was a lot for me to digest <laughs> this week. So thankfully, there was uh, nothing uh, as cataclysmic as, as that. Uh, so I could at least try to digest it. Uh, so let's get into the uh, discussion about this week's Supergirl episode. So here is the official description. Quote, Carr's investigation into William Day's criminal activities result in the shocking revelation he is not who she thinks he is. Actually, that's not what it says. It says the shocking revelation he is not who she thinks. Which dun, I don't dun, know. Dun. <laughs> I, don't know. I think it should be the revelation that he is not who she thinks he is. Yeah, you, that's what I would think. That makes more sense to me, but I'm not the uh, description writer, so what do I know? Uh, continuing, it says, Meanwhile, the conflict between Malefic and John Jones reaches a boiling point, unquote. Dun, dun, dun. So, before we talk about any of that, because, yeah, all that stuff happened. But really, I think the big thing that I took away from this episode was that uh, James Olsen has a new desk. <laughs> what did you think about it? Well, okay, so... I'm happy that he is no longer homeless. Like, that's really important to me as a person, uh, that he has a home. Uh, the new the new home, listen, let's be honest, not as swanky as the old home. Like, but sometimes you have to move. Uh, you know, sometimes you're moving and you're like, I'm going to downsize. I was in a deluxe apartment in the sky. <laughs> but now I'm gonna bring it. I'm bring it back to my hometown. I'm gonna be more of the people. I'm gonna be closer <laughs> to the people. I'm gonna be on the ground now. So I mean, I feel like he had some. He had some mahogany, you know, going on in there. Some sort of some version of wood in that <laughs> desk. You know, uh, it's not. It's not this. It's not the high tech Catco desk. But he's not the high tech Catco James Olson anymore. <laughs> he's getting back to his roots. He's Jimmy now. Ooh. <laughs> Don't call him chief, though. But don't call him chief. <laughs> that was a, that was a very uh, a very good callback to uh, the George Reeves Superman TV series, uh, where uh, uh, Jimmy on that show would call Perry White chief all the time. So it was nice <laughs> to see a little homage to Jimmy Olsen there. So my my bigger concern, my bigger concern, Rebecca, and I don't know if you picked this up as mm, well. What's that? Um. How did he get that camera back? No, oh, yes. <laughs> that camera, I screamed when I was watching this. And uh, my fiance was like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> and I was like, you don't understand. That camera was his whole motivation for becoming Guardian. And somehow, what, did he glue it back together? <laughs> it looks pretty good. He was like, here, this camera was for my father. And I was like, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. How? Why? And then I was just like so mad. 
<laughs> it just to me, it really speaks to how much they cared about that character on that show, which is that they couldn't even remember one of his biggest motivating factors for becoming a superhero, which you and I joked about all the time because it was one of the dumbest motivations <laughs> for becoming a superhero. It's like my camera is gone. Who am I? I must become guardian. It was like, what? That doesn't, that doesn't follow. You could buy a new camera, uh, which apparently he did. What if he just bought a new camera and he like convinced himself it was his dad's camera. He was just like staring at the camera going, no, you, this is my old camera. <laughs> he just incepted himself into his old camera. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, for noble purposes. Maybe he he has this this new camera that he bought to replace his dad's camera that got smashed to pieces. Let's remember that it got completely destroyed. Two pieces. Two pieces. I feel like I should I should call out um, that one of our listeners like literally sent it to me. Uh, sent me a video uh, at Quinn Schuler. Sent me the video. Of the camera getting smashed at, with 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 just the text thought you'd appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right, I did appreciate because I was like, "How? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it." Sometimes with this show, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is this is my uh, tinfoil hat. <laughs> I I, I think that uh, James was really feeling the inspiration in his new position as the publisher of the Cal- Calvinton Gazette. Calvintown? I said Calvinton like it was very sophisticated. The Calvintown. Uh, yes, Calvinton. <laughs> the Calvintown Gazette. Uh, I think he wanted to pass something positive on to his young friend, Simon. And so he wanted to have that story to give to Simon as he started his career as a photographer. So maybe maybe he was lying, but he was he was passing a story on to Simon to inspire him to be a photographer. So maybe maybe James really did have that reality in his brain that oh my cam- my dad's camera is smashed into a million pieces, but I'm going to pretend. I don't know, I'm reading into that a lot, <laughs> but it did seem like they had either A, there's, on, there's only several options that this could be. <laughs> a, they completely forgot about season two and why James became Guardian. B, they don't care. Or, <laughs> or C, James, uh, well, there could be a couple of different, uh, two, two more options. So I'm going to go uh, A through D here. <laughs> C, James is lying to inspire this kid, he fully well knows that his camera is smashed. Or D, James is having a mental breakdown, and he has forgotten all of that stuff. So uh, I'm not sure which option it is, but it is definitely incorrect. <laughs> I was so confused. I don't understand what's what's hap- what's happening. I can look past the uh, the the Canon problems that they have with the camera. Uh, that's not, that's not a camera pun if you're reading into that because Canon is a company that makes cameras. That was a really deep cut if you were a a photographer. Um, but the thing that I really gravitated towards, because I noticed it immediately, and I think this is something that I, uh, 
would want to see. Talk about talk about spinoffs of Supergirl. This is this this forget the Superman Lois Lane show. This is this is this is the spinoff I want to see. I want to see James at in Calvintown creating the Newsboy Legion with the Simon Kid. I think this this could be the start <laughs> of Guardian and the Newsboy Legion. Now, do I think that the showrunners intended this? No, I do not. Because A, they don't know their show history, and B, they don't care anything about the comics. They don't they don't care about the newsboy. They don't care about Turtle Boy. We never got Turtle Boy. We never got Turtle Boy. You know what? I did I I felt like I accepted James's end because I could headcanon the newsboy legion. I was like, this does seem like the origin story of the newsboy legion. He's like, listen, I have magicked my dead father's camera back <laughs> into existence. Go, go, young one. Start my <laughs> legion. <laughs> well, I mean, it is kind of like Jim Harper and the Newsboy Legion and the fact that uh, the the Newsboy Legion was like a ragtag group of kids who ran around on their bikes and uh, just helped Guardian out with stuff. And I think I could see it with the Simon kid and his buddies who were doing their homework in somebody else's house. I really feel like this this has potential. And it makes me so mad that they never have explored this with James. That would have been such a cool thing for them to do on the show. And now we will never get it. And so I, I don't think that this was intended by the writers. I don't think this is a <laughs> deep cut to Guardian uh, history. I think if... And I, I think we got some tweets about this that we'll we'll read later. Because I noticed it immediately when I was watching the show and live tweeting uh, on Sunday night. Because I was like, oh, this feels like the Newsboy Legion. I don't think they intended that. I think we just, <laughs> we just know that because we know Guardian history because we study for the spotlights. But uh, the, this would have been a cool show. I would watch James and the Newsboy Legion. I really would. Oh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. It would be the best. They'd all, they all, they'd all have those little newsies caps, even yes. though it's 2019, and they'd all be like on their bicycles, like just biking around with their newsboy caps, like, "Hey, sir, that's a crime!" <laughs> and then they like, they like throw a like a rolled up newspaper at like a at a robber. <laughs> <laughs> they, would, they would be busting the corruption uh, from I the Calvintown Gazette. Oh my God, we are pitching some. Uh, fire ideas right now. <laughs> Everything we're pitching is fire emojis. <laughs> CW, call us. I know you want to make a bunch of shows. Listen, Superman's great, but have you thought <laughs> about Jimmy Olsen and the Newsboy Legion? I would watch the crap out of that show. I seriously would. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Extra, extra here all about it. <laughs> There's so much you could do with it. <laughs> oh, man. The only thing I didn't really fully understand about this little plot that they had about James and the Newsboy Legion, uh, which, again, I don't think was intended. We're just reading into it. Um, <laughs> the the corruption with the prisons, I didn't really fully understand this. So help me, Morgan, if I'm a dummy about this. So Kelly and James talked about the prison in the town like it was a new thing. Uh, and I was really confused as to why this town, Calvin Town, did not have a prison before. Uh, because I've been, to, I've been to some small towns. I've been to Kennedy, Alabama. It's a small town. It is a rural, rural, rural 
in the sense of the word that you cannot pronounce it because it's a weird word to say, rural. The rural juror. The rural juror. It is a very small town. It had like one stoplight and it had a prison. There was a prison in Kennedy, Alabama. So I I have a really hard time uh, with the idea that Calvintown didn't have a prison. And then I'm confused about what the corruption was and how it worked because they said that these like corrupt government officials in the town kept kept the prisons full and then the prisons in turn kept their pockets lined and i was like well how does that work because if it's a small town and you keep the prisons full who's living in the town who's living and working in the town to make money yeah i i had some so i had some questions i i understood what they were going for which which was like the idea of like private prisons profiting from, you know, these long sentences for, like, minor offenses because they're keeping the prisons full, so they're keeping, you know, the pockets lined. But I don't know that that works in that small town setting. Because, like you said, if they're if they're locking everybody up, who, live, who lives there? I guess it's just, I mean, but from what we saw, it's just a bunch of teenagers running the streets like Mad Max. So maybe... <laughs> Because all their parents are locked up. I just don't understand uh, that aspect of the story. But I definitely did gravitate towards uh, James uh, sort of uh, unofficially adopting this kid and uh, making turning him into a newsie. I, I really... I, I really enjoyed that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll disregard the, the fact that I don't understand the plot whatsoever. Um, I like the setup of it. And I like that James went back to, to you know, where he started his journey. I liked the circling back uh, of him going back to his roots, where he learned to be a person, a, a news person of integrity and learned to fight for the little guy. I think that, that that was a good ending point for James. And I, I was very surprised by how uh, satisfied I was with the James ending. With all the crap that they put this character through, with all the dumb stuff they've made him do, and the wasted <laughs> opportunities, and the just the terrible mistakes they've made with this character. He could have done some really amazing things that had honored his character's history, Jimmy Olsen is a character who's been around for a long, long, long time. And they didn't really do a lot with him. And I think that is very unfortunate. And uh, personally, I wish they they had done more with him. Uh, but I do think I was very satisfied with where they left him. Because the, the only thing I didn't like, the, the thing that I think it was poor in the writing, was that they had spent... I don't know, one to two episodes beforehand, like, oh, should I be a senator or should I work <laughs> in the museum? And they they wasted all that scene time, him talking about that stuff, when they could have done some other stuff. Like, I just feel like sometimes on the show, they just waste a lot of time in stuff that doesn't matter. The Smithsonian didn't matter. The Senate thing didn't matter in the end. And when... I was told one time in a script writing class that every word should have weight. Everything should matter. And when you have things in writing that doesn't matter, I think it's pointless. And I think it should be thrown in the trash. Everything should count. 
So when they wasted all that time with him thinking about all these jobs he he never ended up doing, <laughs> I was like, Ugh, well, what was this even? Why did we why did we even invest in that those ideas to begin with? So that part of it frustrated me, but I do like where they chose to end his character's run. So James the grown man Olsen gets uh, to ride in the sunset into Calvin Town and gets to do something worthwhile. So that I'm pleased with. Yeah, I liked, I did ultimately like that he got to go back and be a journalist and be like maybe a photographer. I don't know. His dad's camera magically reappeared, <laughs> but uh, he got to, he got to be kind of closer to the character we were introduced at the beginning of the show before they were like, what else can we do with him? <laughs> and things got a little weird. Uh, I do. I mean, I do feel, I, w- I joked about this a couple of episodes ago that like his send off could have literally been anything. And because of how like ill-defined the character was, I would have just shrugged my shoulders and went with it. And when they started to talk about him being a senator, I was like, yeah, that tracks with everything else I said. <laughs> like, it's like, why would he be a senator? We've never seen him have any interest in politics. Okay, yeah, of course he's going to end up as a senator on his way out. So I actually respected that they, they, they gave him a send-off that had something to do with his character, with where it was historically, with what it has been in the comics and, like, in other, you know— in other versions of the media. So, I mean, at least they didn't, he wasn't just like, you know what? I decided I'm going to be a circus clown. Like any with Jimmy, with James Olsen, anything was possible. So this does feel like the, like the best version of his ending. Yeah. I think this is the best possible thing they could have done for him because it, it, at least him as a character who is uh, a man of integrity who is a man who wants to make a difference, who wants to do good things for other people, and who is still in the news business. Because that that is in his blood, his DNA as a character. Um, even when he became, like, what was he, CEO of CatCo at one point? I was like, <laughs> what? Um, he at least was always in the realm of the news business. And I think that is something that James Olsen, Jimmy Olsen, should always be a part of, because that, that's part of who the character is. So... I'm glad that he he made the effort to say that these people in this small town that have uh, been put through the ringer and whatever the weird corruption is in the town, uh, <laughs> that he wants to do something to help them. So I, I think that is a good way to in uh, his run as a character on the show. And, and, and that doesn't mean that he can't come back at some point. We could get a story about Guardian and the Newsboys. Uh, doing yeah. <laughs> doing something and Supergirl has to go help them. I don't know. Um, that would be an amazing episode. I think I think my ideal way that this gets introduced is like Supergirl is like fighting a villain and she's like, oh God, will I be able to make it? And all of a sudden, like the like the alien or the villain or whoever, uh, like a a news a newspaper a rolled up newspaper hits it on the side of the face <gasps> and it's like looks over and they're and jimmy and james is just like extra extra read all about it and out come the newsboy legion just on their bikes newspapers on their bikes with their little newsy hats yeah with the day's news and then and as they're they're pelting him they're just shouting headlines (laughs) i would watch that this show that is just writing itself (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, the the possibilities are endless. So this doesn't necessarily mean that this is the end of James on the show, but as of right now, it seems like this is his his big send off from the series. Uh, I was a little surprised it was episode four. I don't know if we knew going in how many episodes he was going to be around in for the first half of the season, but uh, so episode four and James is a. Uh, saying goodbye to Supergirl. So, uh, I, I, and speaking of which, I thought it was a really nice moment where uh, James told Kara, you know, because Kara and James, at least in season one, were a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for James to say, you know, the the reason I came to National City was because Clark wanted me to keep an eye on you and you were the one who, who was looking after me. And I, I thought that was a nice moment between those two characters. Um, so I thought all of that was handled really well. Uh, so I, I'm glad to see at least for once the show at least tried to treat James as a as a you know a real character. Uh, so that I I really appreciated. So speaking of news related uh, aspects of this episode and reporters, I guess maybe we should start talking about. Kara and William, because a lot of stuff uh, moved forward in terms of Kara investigating William and getting to learn more about what William is now investigating. So what are your thoughts on uh, Kara discovering what William is doing? Huh. Um, I, I think some of my thoughts on this are like colored a bit by the fact that I think that they're setting them up romantically and I'm I'm not feeling it really yet um i i i mean i liked that how she found it out it felt like she did some um some legwork and some investigation um and i thought that that was pretty cool seeing her uh do her job is always uh, <laughs> is always fun uh, it's sometimes rare on this show i mean i think that they've been doing a little bit more a better of a job with it this season although when when William was going on and on about the beauty of her writing, even though he is, <laughs> one would assume a full-time writer who doesn't uh, doesn't leave the office for 12 hours at a time. Uh, I was like, I, I just feel, listen, I think that Kara has a lot of strengths. I'm sure she's a, a good writer. I don't know if like a like noted investigative reporter would be like, but yours is art. <laughs> I was like, are, are we laying it on a little too thick now? I don't know if it's William laying it on too thick or the show where the show is like, I know she never shows up for work, but she's just that good. But she has <laughs> won a Pulitzer now. She's up. She's won a Pulitzer. Her her work is is beautiful poetry uh, <laughs> to William. I don't know. It just it felt too much. It was like on the the first couple episodes, he was the jerkiest jerk to ever jerk. And it, in a way that made me think, like, what's happening with this character? Because, like, people don't even act this way. Uh, <laughs> this is this is not how people people usually uh, is the thing. And now he's gone on, like, the opposite end of the spectrum where he's, like, suddenly weirdly reading her, like, the love sonnet. And uh, and it's like, there's a there's a normal person middle ground that you're just completely <laughs> missing so i have no i have no conception of william as a character because apparently his first his first couple interactions was him pretending to be a jerk in order to get closer to andrea and now i guess his this is his normal uh williamness is just to like just really pepper you with compliments just in a, in a very intense 
intense way. And I don't, I don't like it. I gotta be honest. I, I don't like this version of him either. So I'm hoping, I mean, it seems almost inevitable at this point. I feel like I should just, I should just lean into it uh, because <laughs> it's clearly where they're going. Like the show isn't always subtle with these things. Like I've watched television before. I, I, I know what's happening here. It doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> we have no control over this. If we did, uh, Guardian and, and the Newsboy Legion would be the next <laughs> CW superhero show in development. Clearly. So we have no control over any of this. So I'm with you. I think I could be okay with them exploring a William and Kara relationship, but I also don't need it. I would be okay if William was just another reporter that Kara had to team up with to take somebody down. I would, but I realize this is the CW and they have to have a romance in there somewhere. Because uh, I, I personally, again, this goes back to things needing to matter, things needing to have weight. I don't want Kara in a relationship unless it's really going to matter. So I don't, I don't like the idea of. Kara being with a character who is, number one, a completely original made-up character. Maybe maybe I could be open to that argument that maybe, you know, maybe they think she needs uh, a new love interest that will be the love interest for all times. Uh, but I also kind of think that if she's going to have this big, epic love story, it needs to be a big deal. So may And... <laughs> Maybe they're not establishing as like him being the 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 man that she's going to be with for the rest of her life. Maybe they're not, but I just why waste my time if he's just going to be a, a season long love interest? Why waste my time if you're going to do that? I just he he either needs to be not a love interest or he's got to be the guy for all time. Like to me in my brain. I don't. I just don't want you to waste my time with this. Don't get me involved in g- getting into their relationship if he's only going to stick around until the end. And also, it. I just. I. I. I just need stuff to matter on this show. Like I was okay with Car and Monel because the whole point of their relationship is that they were Romeo and Juliet, and it was never going to end well. I got that. They set that up in the the writing, so I was there expecting it from the from the first time they mentioned Romeo and Juliet and the uh, the the romance that was going to sort of fall apart at some point. So that at least the writing told me where it was headed. Now I'm like, what is happening? Why are you doing this? So I could be okay with it, but you got to tell me what's what's going on in the writing. So I just don't know. I don't need it, but I guess I'll lean into it too. I don't know. Uh, so I just, I have a lot of weird feelings. I'm all across <laughs> the the map with that because wh- while I think he did say some really nice things to Kara, I'm with you. Like, he did lay it on a little thick, but that's the way they do it on the show. Like, Kara's got big fans in the prison system. <laughs> it's I, I guess my problem with it, and, and now I realize that I sound uh, very negative towards Kara. Listen, she's she's worked hard. She she broke that story last season, and she's I mean she's working. She's doing. We've seen her in the office. She's doing season. things several times, almost in every episode, which is shocking. <laughs> uh, but I think my problem is that this that the show has a tendency to do this like. 
tell, not show thing where instead of seeing Kara like working hard and like trying to figure out, trying to break a story and like uh, doing an investigation, we just have a bunch of people like staring at her really intensely telling her how amazing she is. And it's like, okay. I mean, we've gotten a little of evidence on the show, but not, not enough for what the energy you're bringing to this scene. (laughs) Sometimes I think the show is like two steps forward, one step back, because it was cool to see Carr go to Mexico City. I was into that, because Mexico City plays a big part in Andrea Rojas's first appearance in the comics. We talked about that in the character spotlight, so if you want to go listen to it, you should do that. Um, so that was really awesome to see, just because there was uh, a connection to that. But I was also liking that Kara who is Supergirl, who can fly places. I like it when they get to show her going to another place in the world because she has that capability to do those things. She can fly over to Mexico City anytime. No big deal. So it was cool to get to see Kara go to Mexico City. She spoke a little Spanish. She was trying to investigate something. But at the same time, she has Nia calling her on the phone saying, okay, I've got this lead. I've got this lead. I figured this out. I figured this out. I'm like, is Nia doing all the work for her? It does kind of feel that way. I mean, maybe what we're learning is how good Kara is at delegation, <laughs> which, is a, which is which is a management uh, technique. I think that's that's kind of important to know. You know, you can't you can't do it all. Maybe maybe she's like she's the brain behind <laughs> the whole operation, but Nia is the actual work in the office. <laughs> so here's my thought. So I never really thought about this until now, and I don't know why. But now, if it was my show. I would have Kara's endpoint for her to be the cat Grant at the end of the show. Yes. Am I am I am I late to this party? Oh, I like that so much. Did 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 everyone else come to this conclusion before me and I've just now had this realization? I mean, I don't I don't think so. I think this is something that we're discovering right now. <laughs> we are the only ones who have thought about we this. We are the only people who have ever thought this thought. How dare you, Rebecca? <laughs> because <laughs> because now that I'm thinking about it, like Kara, if she is good at delegating, the, the and and there's going to be a, a CEO need at some point because the the CEO of Catco is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher of Supergirl. That's right. It's so true. So at <laughs> some at some point there will be a new need for a CEO after Andrea Rojas goes out the window. James is not there anymore. Lena's not going to come back. So at some point they're going to have to have somebody to step up. And Kara could be that person. Maybe the show is trying to groom her into that position where she is uh, somebody who could lead, who could delegate, who could be a boss to someone else. And I think Nia even called her boss in this episode. She referred to Kara as boss. And because of the fact that they have played Nia up as the the more, um, the, the, the greener, Kara Danvers, who who for when she first shows up in season one, they they compared Nia very blatantly to season one Kara. So uh, I I could see I could see them all kind of working that in to make Kara the the cat Grant by the end of the series. Of course, they could do it by the end of the season. I'd be like, oh, too soon. But <laughs> but I think I think they can do it. That's what I would do if it was my show. Um, especially since they've had, we've noticed that Kara's been in those, you know, really nice dresses at work. I mean, she's been really working 
the professional wardrobe and that she really has very cat grant like attire uh so i i think i could really i could buy into it so um what were we talking about i think i got into this uh <laughs> car as being cat grant thing and i i forgot what i was talking about oh well i i enjoyed liking um i enjoyed seeing car investigate even if Nia did a lot of the legwork. Uh, there, the the Cara going into Mexico Mexico City, I really liked, and I liked the scene that she discovers uh, that William has been doing something. I there's an air of mystery in that, f- trying to figure out what William is doing and what he's what he's trying to look into. Why does he want to look into Andrea Rojas? I like the mystery of that. It makes me want to see more of that story. But I I feel like. There should be more of a focus on the Leviathan story. And I guess this could could lead us into Jean and Malefect because the Jean and Malefect thing has really taken front center in this season so far, in these first four episodes. I think it's a very compelling storyline of brothers, you know, having a squabble. But I think that the Leviathan thing and the, and the Jean Malefect storyline should be f- switched because I think Leviathan should be something that's a little more high priority in the storytelling. I feel like I don't need the Leviathan stuff to be really huge right now, but I wish that they were seeding it in to the season a little bit more. Like, I feel like you could completely forget that Leviathan was a thing at the end of last season. I think Eve, like, made one mention of it before, like, Hope took her over and was like, what is Leviathan? Uh, (laughs) We've we've been talking for 48 minutes, I think, something like that. And this is the first time we've had uh, a Hope Robot voice mention. Shame oh my on, god! I, shame I'm so sorry to everyone. <laughs> Listen, Hope didn't do Hope didn't do a lot in this episode. She was just like, "Oh, does Malefic have the ability to control minds?" <laughs> and Lena's like, "Oh, that's a good point." And she was like, "Maybe we should kidnap him." <laughs> <laughs> Lena's like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And and Hope is like, kidnapping? And Lena was like, that's not what I was thinking, but yes, I like it. I like the energy you're bringing. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, maybe all of Lena's ideas are actually, like, super mild. Like, she's like, I feel like we should just talk to Malefic and find out how he does that mind control thing. <laughs> and Hope is like, or we should kidnap him with a gun. <laughs> and she's like, no, I like your thing better. <laughs> like, Hope just keeps escalating Lena up and up. <laughs> now we know who the brains behind the operation really is we've talked previously about how they have a lot of mind wipes on the show and it's very frustrating um but when they started talking about and we learned about this in the previous episode i think uh about how jean had been the one who had erased malefic from their family's existence and that was that was his fault and it just hit me watching this week that he did the exact same thing with Alex and Kara. And I guess maybe not exactly the same thing, because with their mind wipe, it was the erasure that Kara was Supergirl. I don't know. We didn't really get a great deal of confirmation about what she remembered and what she didn't remember. Uh, But I think the basic thing was that she didn't know Kara was Supergirl. So... 
I don't know. I wish they had brought that up a little more because now it makes me look back on season four in that moment when he takes that memory from Alex. And, but even then, like, he wouldn't have known that because he just remembered that he did that recently. I don't know. It's just, it's just the same. They're making him do to Alex and Kara what he did to his own brother. So there's that sibling component, that parallel to the siblings that, I don't know, it just makes John look, I mean, Alex called him out when she was incepted and said, you know, you're the monster. And I was like, you know what, incepted Alex, you're 100% right. John is a monster for what he's done in terms of mind-wiping characters on the show and separa- separating siblings. So it's been really difficult to get on board the Jean stuff. I know he's trying to make it the, make it right with Malefic, but God, they really did a number on his character, and it's it's been rough to watch. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, I think it's rough, especially because they go to that mind wipe well so much, and he's the only one who can do it. So it's like once per season, it feels like he's wiping somebody's mind. It's it's just having this mind wipe story. Ray Ather last season with that huge mind wipe story is just. I don't know. It's it's not a good look for poor John. Like, at least he told people what happened now, because that was kind of what I was a little annoyed with him last week, which was like, I was like, what is this feeling where I'm I'm annoyed with John? Like, I don't I don't like this. I want I want to be supporting Space Dad, but I'm not. But um, at least he finally like kind of came clean. I mean, he was forced to. So who knows if he would have actually told everybody. <laughs> He's not big on telling secrets. No, not really. But I mean, at least it's sort of like the secret is like out now. And it's not something where he's going to spend all season like, oh, like looking guilty every time anyone mentions Malavik. It's like, what? Nothing. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, at least it finally did come out uh, and and everybody knows now. And I thought the scene, the, the standout scene in terms of the Jean storyline for me was the scene on the DEO balcony when, uh, I guess, uh, it was it was M- Malefic as Alex, right? I think at that point. Yeah. Where uh, Ky- Kyler, I just, she was so good in that scene because the way she said, you are the monster. I just, like, I keep thinking about it. It was just so good. So de- uh, perfectly delivered. Um, so for me, that was a standout there. I did have some questions about all of this. So just some real nitpicky things. I don't know if anybody else uh, had any of these thoughts. Maybe people can answer this for me. But when Martian Manhunter, when Jean is in his like Martian Manhunter uh, Marin robes in his house, I guess I guess he went home and he put his robes on and then contacted uh, Alaphalex. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like burning some incense, uh, while he's trying to communicate with her. And I just thought, why is he burning anything? Isn't his greatest <laughs> weakness fire? <laughs> I just, to me, that was weird. Uh, maybe nobody else thinks that's a weird thing, but it's kind of weird to me. Uh, and also... How did people on Earth have video footage of the Martian Wars that were playing on the planetarium screen? 
Is that just me, or is it like what 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 is happening? How how do how do they have this? Yeah, I wondered that too. I was I was like, what are we watching? Because it's it's that footage from the the episode where we f- first got the the background and what happened to Jean and his family. And I kept thinking, well, Jean didn't bring that to Earth because that's basically just replaying his family's death over and over again. Why would he have that? I don't know. Maybe it's because Malif- can Malifex shapeshift as video footage? I think I'm going really too deep with this. <laughs> We're going all the way down now. <laughs> down I, that rabbit hole. <laughs> I just have so many questions about that because at one point the the voiceover in the the video footage at the planetarium talked about how Mar- Martian Manhunter was a coward or whatever it said. And so I think I don't know if Martians have this ability. Like, can they can they insert a voice in something? Can they become the voiceover because it's a part of a person? So, like, I don't know if I'm asking this correctly. So, like, normally green Martians can shapeshift from looking like one person to looking like another person. So can they also, because they can take the form of someone else and have their voice can they also then just use their voice to take over someone else's voice does that make any sense like is that why that voiceover was calling him a coward because i don't think the actual voiceover in the planetarium would have said that yeah right i don't think so i was assuming that malefic was the one who was taking over that voiceover in that in what would have actually been voiceover on top of Mark. I don't, I don't, I'm so confused about the planetarium scene. So confused. I don't even know what was happening. Um, yeah. And then I was confused about how, uh, Alex was like, no, no, a Supergirl, you gotta, you gotta fix that beam up in the ceiling because if you don't, everybody in here is gonna die. And I was like, well, Alex, you also have a bomb strapped to your chest. Yeah, I thought that that was uh, that made me laugh a lot too because I was like, the bomb isn't also a problem for you. I mean, they <laughs> they were they were covered in that force field, but I don't I don't know. And then I thought it was funny, like this whole planetarium scene had so many problems. Like Kelly and James used the watch, Lex's watch, to bust up into the scene, and I just thought it was <laughs> so funny because Kelly is like really being heroic it's going to be this big romantic gesture that she comes in she's going to save alex because she's she's had visions that alex is in trouble so she comes in and they pop into the scene and she's like oh god <laughs> she's like uh i did not realize uh there was a bomb here i made a huge tiny mistake uh so i just <laughs> i just thought it was so funny that she popped in there not realizing there was a bomb in the situation and she probably wanted to get right back into that uh that portal yeah she was like you know what it would have been really funny if she started just backing up and be like you know what i just maybe i should go <laughs> <laughs> oh oh did, was that my phone <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you all have this covered here just wanted to check in see how things were going uh we're gonna go back to calvin town where there's not a lot going on oh, we're just gonna stay there for a little while yeah, I just, it's just that whole scene. I mean, the scene, the moment between 
Alex and Jean, when Alex had that that big old gun, I don't even know what that thing was called. Uh, I thought that was great. David Harewood was excellent in that scene. But everything surrounding it, I just, I was so confused. None of it made any sense to me. And uh, it just, it could have used a little more uh, thought behind it is all I'm saying. Oh, definitely. (sighs) So uh, thank you for letting me um, ask a lot of those stupid questions that I had problems with uh, during that moment. Um, All right. Well, and I guess we did talk briefly about the the hope stuff. Uh, It does seem like uh, Hope and Lena now have uh, someone that they have kidnapped in their lab. So that'll be something to watch out for next week. Doesn't it seem like Lena has gone from being like a little bit mad at or like not a little bit like pretty mad at car supergirl to like full scale mustache twirling villain in just no time at all like i don't know that i i don't know how i feel i don't really i'm not liking this storyline so much i i feel like if they're gonna make her into a villain like a nice well thought out storyline where she gets like becomes like villainous little by little versus she's like you know what i'm into now mind control (laughs) what that's not a normal alina that's not a normal thing that's not normal that's you've escalated so quickly (laughs) yeah uh her motivation while i understand that she's doing it because she feels betrayed it does seem like it has gone too far i think it's just too far too fast is my issue like i feel like i could get on board if we had like several episodes showing her like slow descent into like well maybe mind control is the only way instead of like it was like the first thing that she thought of it was like (laughs) you know what i'm not super happy about people and let's mind control and then and now she's like i you know fixing the the gun so that it makes Malefic go to her lab and she's like, Malefic, uh, welcome. This is your new best friend, Hope. She's a person, but also a robot. And Hope is like, hello, I have made cookies. (laughs) 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 I mean, although what if... Hope and Malefic become like the like the buddy the buddy cop <laughs> comedy of like the season, and, and and they just they really bond down there in the lab. <laughs> I could be into that. Uh, let's just make that happen. Uh, that would also be a spinoff that I would be okay with if uh, we're just spitballing some ideas. Yeah, I uh, I think that that could be interesting. As far as we know, the characters think that Malefic is over, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do from from here on out uh, in terms of Jean, what what his story is going to be. I guess at some point they're going to figure out that Malefic is in Lena's lab, and things will keep continuing to progress on that uh, on that story. But yeah, I don't know uh, the Malefic thing. I. I got interested once he was interacting with Hope and Lena, but I don't know. Some of it, I was just like, ugh, whatever, the Martian stuff. I'm so confused. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so hopefully that will continue to get better. Uh, and maybe we'll see the the Lena stuff get a little better. I don't I, I think I'm with you because now that I'm thinking about 
uh, some of the Lena stories in the past, we've seen her try things and fail. Uh, she science murdered a guy one time. Uh, <laughs> so she did have like trial and error that she had to go through to figure things out. And so they, they did take a little more time in some of those storylines. So this one does seem to be a little bit rushed. And that's probably because of crisis. And that's why sometimes I get frustrated with the crossovers is because they, they sort of take up a lot of space in the in the seasons of the show uh so i'm i'm guessing that it's sped up because of that yeah it's it's funny because i've had people be like what do you think of the fact that the i think maybe some some listeners have asked us like what we think of the fact that like there's been no crisis lead up in supergirl like there has been in the other shows and i'm always like i feel like such a curmudgeon but i'm like good like, I don't, I, I'm watching Supergirl. I don't want to watch, I'm not watching, like, the CW Connected Universe show. Because if I wanted to watch all those shows, I would watch all of them. Like, I want right. to watch Supergirl. And I understand it is cool and very comic booky the way that they connect and the way that they all come together in the crossover. But I don't, like you said, sometimes the crossover kind of changes the storytelling of the individual shows and truncates some of the storytelling in a way that I don't always love because they need, you know, character A to get to point C by, you know, by December. And they're like, like, well, I guess she's evil now. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. If that's, if that comes into play, because I assume it's going to, because I assume Lex is going to be in play during crisis. Yeah. That's and so I don't know what the plan is for Lena, but I guess maybe all of this is going to like dovetail into that. So they're like, yeah, Lena can't just like start doing a couple of things that are maybe morally dubious and then make her way to wine control. <laughs> well, it's like, she's got to go straight to mind control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if Lena will somehow connect to Lex in the crossover. I would be into that if it did. Uh, if those characters did. Um, and I'd be curious as to w if Lex had any thoughts about Hope and what Lena has done to Ms. Desnager. Uh I, <laughs> I, I would love to know Lex's thoughts on uh, that progression of what uh, their relationship is. Um, well, I guess we could do a quick boardroom or ballroom. <laughs> And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? This is not necessarily about Lena, because uh, normally we try to keep boardroom or ballroom very Lena-centric. Uh, people have been watching out for clavicles this season. We have not seen any clavicles, uh, but except for it's Kelly. It's been a dark season for those <laughs> clavicles. <laughs> Shoulders are being kept warm. That's very important. Uh, but so we don't have any, uh, listener feedback in terms of Lena, but we did get, uh, sent something from Fanny who, uh, sent some information about, uh, Kara wearing a turquoise dress. Um, I, I'm guessing this is, um, the one we talked about in the premiere when she had that blue dress, um, when she accepted her Pulitzer, but that was kind of more of a, a teal maybe i don't know what kind of blue that would be but car has been wearing a lot of blue colory dresses uh this season so fanny sent us this thing from uh empower yourself with color psychology.com that's a very long url <laughs> um and it talks about if your favorite color is turquoise. So uh, this website says, if this is your favorite color, you're friendly and approachable, easy to communicate with. You're a compassionate and 
empathetic, and caring. You have a heightened sense of creativity and sensitivity. You speak from the heart and love sharing your innermost thoughts. As a personality color, turquoise, uh, as a personality color, turquoise, you uh, usually have highly developed intuitive abilities. You seek spiritual fulfillment and you are often an evolved or old soul. You're trying to create balance in your life as you swing emotionally from one direction to the other. Although presenting a cool and calm exterior and appearing to be stable and balanced, beneath the surface you may be in chaos or an emotional roller coaster ride. So I think that actually fits Kara uh, to a T. So I, I, I appreciate Fanny. Thank, thank you for uh, sending that in. It's good to get uh, some uh, connection to Kara's uh, colors that she's been wearing and her wardrobe and to see that there is maybe some meaning behind that when they have her in these these clothes so while we don't have any thoughts on lena I, although i don't know i'm gonna pitch it to you morgan do you have any thoughts about lena and her wardrobe this week apparently dark floral is in this season i was wearing a dark floral dress and one of my coworkers told me that she's like oh you're very in season and i was like what are you talking about dark florals are the thing and i was like ah lena luther that's why <laughs> <laughs> how, how is the uh the plan to to get all of lena's wardrobe uh for your instagram is that is that panning out at all it, it is it's a work in progress because uh, i'm going to have to work for about a hundred years to be able to afford <laughs> one piece of it <laughs> well at least you don't have to uh buy cara's fourteen hundred dollar dress that's true I was also, I was just on, because I was trying to figure out what Lena wore this this episode, so I went on Worn on TV, my new favorite site, and uh, <laughs> uh, do you remember Nia's, uh, like, blue floral dress that she's wearing in the beginning of the episode? I remember it, because I thought it was very short for the workplace, almost inappropriately short. I do remember uh, seeing that and thinking that was a little bit short myself. That, how much would you guess that dress was? A hundred dollars? Three twenty-nine. What? I was surprised to find out. <laughs> Even a hundred dollars seems seems too much for me. I mean, you're paying so much for so little material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love looking at the prices on these things. It just I'm like, oh, uh, I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I I I don't think I paid three hundred dollars for my prom dresses like that no. it's just you know that there's just a different there's another level uh to to things that people can afford that i can't uh so that is uh that is very interesting yeah so quick quick note the striped sweater that car wore that was 295 dollars no. for a striped sweater 200 <laughs> no 95 nearly 300 dollars no. for a sweater no. That's what it looks like something you could get from H&M. Yes. I'm sorry, Cara. I don't, don't want to dunk on your wardrobe, <laughs> <laughs> but you're paying too much. You're paying uh, way too much. Um, what, How much is her uh, investigative jacket? I like that um, you know Cara's an investigator because she's got that, like, investigator jacket on that looks oh, like yeah. she's from the 1940s. She's she's wearing that, um, that kind of... Uh, investigative journalist jacket uh, i don't know what they call those short trench um how much is that i'm curious to see how much that costs i don't think i have a price on this one no i don't think it does well i'm guessing that's probably several hundred dollars it's a suede <laughs> trench coat but if Kara can afford a 300 dollars sweater she's she's fine with that jacket <laughs> 
this has been Lena Luther, Boardroom or Ballroom. All right. Well, I guess, uh, Morgan, uh, since we've uh, done way too much looking at the, the clothes on <laughs> Supergirl, uh, what are your overall thoughts about this episode? Did you, did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, are, are you pleased where things are going, how things are wrapped up? That's a lot of questions. But what are your overall thoughts on this episode? I liked it. What if that was my only answer? Uh, no, <laughs> that, that would be a sufficient answer. I was just, I was just going to trail off really awkwardly and then like wait and see how long the silence would last. Um, no, I, I thought it was a good episode. I thought like you, some of the malefic stuff was interesting, but didn't land quite as much as I would hope. I, I did love that scene with John and Alex on the balcony. Basically any scene with John and Alex though, like, you know, you're hitting gold. So like, that's, that's a, a combo you can always go to when you need some, some, emotional heft in your episode uh i thought the james send-off was good um the car and william thing i still don't really understand and like there just wasn't enough lena doing really crazy stuff and the the brain like i feel like i i'm starting to feel bad for both brainy and nia that they're stuck in this like weird romance storyline that like seems like it's just going around and around like last week I complained that they had just broken up even though we'd spent all this time building them up and this week it's like it seemed like they were just like oh we had a tiny fight like a tiny argument I was like I was sure you guys were broken up last week but okay (laughs) yeah it doesn't seem like they have a real plan for those characters in that relationship and that's again it it's like does this matter if it doesn't matter, why is it here? So that that is really frustrating to me as a viewer. And I, I'm getting kind of bored of Brainy and Nia just because it doesn't seem to go anywhere. It just, it kinda, just seems it like resets. it's going in circles. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it resets to where it was. And it's, to me, that seems like a waste of time. It seems like a waste of scenes. I, I We could be doing so many other things if, if we didn't focus on that relationship. And, I, I you know, great if people love it. I just, to me, writing-wise, if it doesn't need to be there, it it doesn't need to be there. Um, the the things that I would really take away from this episode are the, the James send-off, uh, because I thought that was handled relatively well, except for the, the whole uh, totally forgetting about the, the dad's camera. Um, Malefic Jean stuff kind of came or went with me. Um, I also thought it was notable that Hope was wearing pink scrubs this week, mm. which is uh, a different color than what she had had on previously. Uh, so maybe Lena did take her shopping on Rodeo Drive, and she paid $500 for those scrubs, uh, because that's probably what it says on WarnOnTV.net. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so uh, that was the, the big notable thing I took away, uh, in addition to James' uh, getting his send off from the series. So I guess there was a little bit of push more towards the Leviathan story. So that makes me excited because I think that I would be more into with this, uh, with this show because it would give Kara something more to do and it would uh, sort of push that, that mystery forward, which I think uh, is something that I would really enjoy. So uh, not a crazy fan of, of this episode this week, but it had its moments. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about In Plain Sight. So our first tweet is from Heat Vision Rocks, uh, who said, I, I miss Hope the AI. I was hoping we would get a daily pinky in the brain situation. Morgan, do you want to do, do parts here? Do you want to do, do Hope and yes. do Lena? 
I, I will do hope. Okay, you ready? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lena, what do you want to do today? The same thing we do every day. Try to kill Supergirl? No, we try to fix humanity. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yes, I, I hope they adopt that as well. <laughs> you got a little acting out of us, too. <laughs> Um, at DJ Writer said, strong, strong episode in what's already been a stellar season. David Harewood and Kyler Lee scenes were on fire, off the charts with emotion. At Tone underscore Ring said, James bought a newspaper? He must have saved a lot of money living under his desk <laughs> and not paying that National City rent. That's why he was doing it. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Although, you have to imagine that, the, again, one of my favorite, one of my favorite bugaboos on this show, the National City real estate market must be pretty, pretty, pretty low because, like, <laughs> their, their stuff is always getting destroyed. Like, you're not going to, that's not where you're going to want to have your investment property. <laughs> <laughs> James is like, I live in this huge mansion. It's $100 a month. (laughs) Anything's possible. Um, Tone uh, tone underscore ring goes on to say, also, is James about to adopt a kid before Alex does? Uh, All that time setting Alex up for it and they give James a kid instead? He really can do everything. (laughs) What if James is like, I brought you someone from my my <laughs> New Spoiler Legion, Alex, here. I know so many, so many street urchins for you to adopt. <laughs> I have a veritable uh, uh, group to choose from. Uh, you oh can pack, pick anyone you want. All of their parents are in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to a town with no adults. Um <laughs> At Sony Rawat 1997 said, James can do anything and everything. Remember in the last episode that he wanted to become a senator? Boy, I wish I could change careers that fast. Uh, yeah, it was a fast turnaround. <laughs> yeah, James is unstoppable. <laughs> uh, uh, at Electra WWF said, looks like James is starting to recruit for the Newsboy Legion. See? Winky face. Same, same mind, same, same thought process. Has Loving to happen. it. It's happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> at Patty Mello 20 said, Lena is breaking my heart in every episode, but I can't not love her. She's so much smarter than everybody else. It's delicious to watch. Is Hope going to be jealous now that Lena has a new pet in the lab? I thought James's camera was broken in season two, and that's why he became Guardian. Oh, Patty Mello, I thought that as well. <laughs> and I'm still mad. <laughs> Um, at VH451 said, I'll be the first to admit I'm no expert in Supergirl baddies, but it feels like the writers have been binging Spider-Man, knock off Spider-Woman last week, knock, knock off pseudo Doc Ock next week. Also, I see what you're doing, Lena. Well played. Um, at I am no guitar hero, uh, said glad Supergirl called out and stopped the air sucking alien. You could have hurt that lady. Uh, <laughs> loved it. Looks like Kara and William will be uncovering Leviathan. Don't know what to think about him yet. He was certainly holding back something. Kara still needs to be careful. Mm, yeah, I don't know. She she didn't seem like she was trusting him full stop uh, so far. So we'll see what happens, uh, as, as they progress in their, uh, partnership. I don't know if this is just me, but I don't trust anyone who compliments me that much. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to get something out of me. I feel like, how dare you say something so nice about me? What do you want? (laughs) 
well, Gina wrote in to say, quote, I didn't realize James was going to leave so soon in the season. I guess it makes sense that it would be before the crossover event. Or does it? As much as I've harped on James, especially in the last few seasons, I actually felt feelings when he was making his exit. His speech to Carl was hitting more of the feels than I thought it would. I kind of wished it was more uh, in a more private arena, but in that short speech, it really did bring back the season James. Uh, it really did bring back the reason James had always been important to the show and most, and most importantly, Kara, unquote. Yeah, it 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 was it was private. I mean, it was just within his close friends. Uh, so I thought I thought that that was appropriate that he would tell all of them at the same time. Uh, but yeah, I I did I did feel a little sadness when James was making his speech too. Uh, new Rachel writes, I know you two haven't talked about him much, but I want to apologize to William Day because I feel like I was unfair in how I first thought about him. Do we have a William scale? Mood of the day? Oh. I don't know. Oh, Rachel, I like a good pun. I like mood I like of the day. Pun. D-E-Y. Uh, and then do we do we do we rate him on like a like a weather scale? Like Ooh. we're feeling sunshine about him. <laughs> we're feeling cloud about him. It's a raindrop day on William. <laughs> I love this idea. Let's go with that. It's all weather-based emojis. Like, how did you feel about William today? I felt angry cloud about William. <laughs> when I went to Australia, my brother and I went to Australia, and we noticed in the newspapers, uh, you know how um, in America we have like a like a partly cloudy. I think is the comparison. In Australia, it just it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Like they would have like like uh, sunny and cloudy. And fine. <laughs> and fine. That's amazing. So we would be like, well, the weather, it's just fine. It's fine. Just, it's fine. It's so, fine. So, it's, not, it's not a great. It's just fine. <laughs> so I would put that in my mood of the day. It's, oh, it's, my God. It's fine. It's fine. I love that. Uh, we are stealing that new Rachel. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, she goes on to say, I definitely thought he was evil or working for Leviathan, especially. And I referred to him as Doomsday. Oh, she is full of puns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of who his actor played in the Krypton series. Uh, but I was wrong. He's not as much of a jerk as he seemed like he was. So I'm sorry. Well, you don't need to apologize. We, 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 we still don't know. We still don't know. I, I'm, listen, I'm still like, I'm still angry face cloud at William. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm not one over is the thing. <laughs> you, are, you are thunderstorms just all day, like 100% precipitation. <laughs> That's based on the information you had at the moment, new Rachel. Don't feel bad about it. You're okay. You're you're uh you're just fine to change your opinion when you get new information. Well, Nina wrote in saying, "Quote: This week's episode was a bit all over the place and kind of hard to really get into. With the whole Jean Malefic thing, then the William Day investigation, then Lena, then the Olsons thing, it was unorganized. I feel like that's a common factor in the season so far. The premiere being the exception. The different storylines feel rushed, and the only consistency is Lena and her death bot Eve being shady." Unquote. Nina, I actually would agree with that. The, this episode did have a lot of like balls up in the air and they were trying to juggle a lot of things and i think the strength in the premieres it really honed in on the cara lena stuff and i think that's what made it so strong is that it really simplified a lot of things so 
yeah, the more the more stuff you throw into a story, the 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 worse it's going to be, in my opinion. Uh, Daryl asks, of the two original options they picked for James's next career move, do you think they were really going with a Senate run? And once they realized no one would buy that, they came up with a newspaper publisher idea? Because it seems to me the publisher thing came out of nowhere. I think of the two original options, the Smithsonian job would have been more feasible, but the Senate story is what they were originally going with, and the publisher thing was essentially a last minute addition in the writer's room i I mean i don't even know honestly (laughs) honestly it's all happened this is episode four so it's all happened so fast i I could kind of see that being like a a late season pivot if it was a late season pivot but we're talking episode four pivot Uh, which is what James did when he was moving his new desk into that office. <laughs> He's like, listen, I, I bought the paper, but I'm going to need to live a little better than this. And they're like, I, well, I mean, what are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 I'm going to live here now. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to miss those jokes. <laughs> oh, man. I just realized this is the last James under the desk joke episode that we'll have any material for that that is upsetting oh. end of an era <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna have to really really wrap it up on the the james james desk jokes uh because i don't i don't know that it will work with anybody else i guess we can keep an eye on the desk and just see what happens to the <laughs> desk but it won't be the same it, it will never be the same um yeah i don't know i think that with writing in the TV show business, they have to at least, especially four episodes in, they have to kind of know where they're going. So I, I assume that they had a plan for this, but I also don't, I think it's entirely possible that they didn't have a plan for this. So I don't, I don't know. I, I would like to think that, that they, put the Smithsonian thing in there and the Senate thing in there to have James think about what he wanted to do. And then when the right thing hit him, he knew it. I'm guessing that's what they were trying to go with. But yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible that they were like, "Mm, we'll just feel it out until we get to the episode and then we'll decide what we want to do with him. That's entirely possible with this show. Uh, So I don't know. (laughs) It's true. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they, they had planned it all along. All right, well, we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio. Mauricio here, back with another review slash question. So our three-episode arc with John's brother has been concluded for now. Um, we got, we're got back on track with the human side of stuff since we now know the reporter guy is a good guy. And it turns out, well, we all know that his bank, the boss is evil. So can't wait to see back to that story. Um, and James gets to live sweet, and he gets to be his uh, head of company of that newspaper place in his own hometown. And all the action was all good and all that. But my biggest question I want to ask you is the biggest the the tweet that exploded on Twitter. With I think you guys would have seen it, where it shows you the first three minutes of the clip and everyone's making and it exploded big time on on Twitter. Like it's like everyone's making fun of the CGI and all that stuff. But I'm surprised it it, it blew up that big because Supergirl's never usually blown up. But like I can't believe this one tweet of that of the first three minutes of the episode literally blew up so i just want to know your opinion about that hopefully this will either three two things one hopefully the, the cgi artists will make take effect in it or two people will get more interested in supergirl now so thanks and until next week 
Bye. And Morgan, Mauricio wants to know what our thoughts are on the uh, controversial uh, bad CGI from this week's episode, uh, notably the scene in which Supergirl stops a bullet at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know what? It's, I don't know. I, 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 to me, I guess it wasn't as jarring as like the, the one episode where they're just swirling around in like a, in a portal. <laughs> what was that? Like episode two or episode that, three where it was, was like, pretty bad. I was like, where is anyone? Why are the, what is happening? It was like, it was one of those moments where I think I said all the episode, if somebody came in, they had never watched Supergirl before. You're not getting them with that scene. Like <laughs> they're, they're not watching anymore. This one, I feel like you, it's like TV show budget, you know, you're doing what you can. Uh, I mean, on Legends, they don't even do their powers anymore because they only, I guess, because <laughs> they don't have any money whatsoever. So I'm just excited to see superpowers is the thing. <laughs> like the Adam has an Adam and many a moon. So I'm just, I'm just happy that she's not like, you know what? I just want to be Kara like 95% of the time. <laughs> like they did with Brainy where he was like, I know this is how I look, but if I look different, like with no makeup, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes. Um, I think uh, what could be the possibility is that they backed off a little bit on the special effects for this episode because, I mean, Crisis we think it's far away, but it's coming. It's it's on its way. Like, it's coming sooner than we know. Uh, so my my optimistic side of things looking at this CGI, because let's be honest, it's pretty bad. Like, it's bad. Um, and the show has done some really spectacular special effects. I mean, Supergirl fought a dragon. Uh, she fought a dinosaur earlier on. I mean, she's done some cool things. And I like the idea that she can fly and sort of twist her body in flight. I think that's really cool. It reminds me, there's a Superman ride in uh, the Atlanta uh, Six Flags over Georgia. And in that ride, you kind of do that on the roller coaster. And it's really cool to, to think, oh, that's what they can do when they fly. They can go, you know, all sorts of directions. So it was cool to see Supergirl do that a little bit. But the way she sort of floats off the screen right before that, it is really noticeably bad. So um, uh, my best thought is that they are saving some of their money for Crisis on Infinite Earths because that's going to be where they're going to put all of their momentum, all of their energy, all of their money to making that a really big, spectacular event. So that's that's what I'm hoping is the case. What it sort of reminded me of is uh, back in the day, uh, several years ago, I interviewed Mark Goldman, who is like my editing hero. He was an editor for the TV show Lost. He's an Emmy winner. Um, and he uh, was talking to me. I interviewed him for a podcast I did about Once Upon a Time. And he was telling me a, a little bit about the process, about how you go from uh, script to the screen, how you how you as an editor for a TV show you know, handle the cutting of an episode. And he was telling me that in the process, uh, so before special effects get added, sometimes an editor will sort of make a, a little a little special effect on their own 
to sort of mimic what it's supposed to look like so that the special effects people can come in there, see what it's supposed to be, and do their thing. The, the special effect artists will then create the special effects based on that sort of preliminary rough uh, version of a special effect. Well, um, the scene he explained to me was so in Once Upon a Time when they first introduced the Mad Hatter, there's a there's a scene where the, the hat sort of floats around the town and it's sort of kind of doing its thing around the town. And he was telling me he just sort of took an image of the hat and then he, you know, because you can do it with keyframes. You can move I can do this basic editing technique. It's it's nothing special. You just sort of move the image around the screen based on keyframes and position and scaling. And so he was doing that just to sort of show where the hat would be placed. And it's not supposed to look good. It's just to show movement around the screen. And so that's what this bad CGI made me think of. It made me think that the editor of the episode, and this is just my putting my tinfoil hat on, (laughs) that the editor of the episode made this little edit to show what that that moment that moment that momentum of her flying was supposed to look like and it looks like they never just created a, a special effect shot for it they just left that in there so <laughs> that's what that looks like to me and that it's probably that may not be the case the case but based on the information i have about how editors actually deal with that stuff on tv that's what i thought of um so it is bad it is a shame that that moment got passed around the internet to to show an example of what supergirl special effects are and what they look like because it's not indicative of the rest of the series as a whole there have been some really cool things that they've done on the show um so it is unfortunate that that is the case but uh let's let's just call a spade a spade it was not great um so hopefully we'll see better special effects as the season progresses um okay so before we wrap up our feedback we have some snap judgments sent in by our listener in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one first instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary first snap judgment is from daryl who said who has better bangs melissa benoist or jamila jamil believe that's how you pronounce her name i love her on the good place yes (laughs) she is an actress on the good place who also uh sports bangs um i think it's kind of a uh i I don't i don't know that it's this oh i'm really gonna have to make a, a snap judgment i'm really gonna have to pick one because it it does seem i feel like the bang game is pretty strong between both of them um mm. I don't know, Morgan. Do you have a, a snap judgment yet? I have an immediate snap judgment. Oh, I think it's go. I think it's Jamila. I think no. she she rocks those bangs. Maybe it's because I've only ever seen her with the bangs, mm, and maybe. I know what Melissa Benoist looks like without the bangs. Yeah, I mean, Kara slash Melissa's bangs—they're great. But I think I prepare. Uh, mm, I think I prefer. Uh, Melissa and Carl without the bangs. So I'm going to go Jamila as well. Um, okay, so we have some snap judgments from Danae who says, what's the best part of James being CEO again? He has a desk to sleep under or he can form the Newsboy Legion. I have been championing the idea that James would start the Newsboy Legion from the very minute that we did that character spotlight on Guardian. So I'm going to say Newsboy Legion 
uh, without hesitation. Oh, yeah, definitely Newsboy Legion. I, I, I came up with a whole thing for them. <laughs> I love it. I'm into it. I'm invested now. <laughs> um, Danae wants to know, who will become Guardian now? Kelly to follow up her uh, to follow up her brother or Andrea because she found the suit in the Catco elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope he left that in the elevator. Um, I'm gonna say I like the idea of Kelly randomly becoming like what if Kelly just becomes the new James where she just has a new profession every two to three episodes. <laughs> I like it. I'm going Kelly. <laughs> well, it it almost uh, feels a little um what is like uh sword in the stone? Like if you find <laughs> if you find the suit yes. in the elevator, you have to become guardian. That's how that works. Um yeah, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see what Kelly would do with the uh the guardian suit if that was the case. Uh our next our next set of snap judgments are from Gina. She asks, best way to force your way into an apartment, breaking down doors or flying through random open windows. Now, I have to say, if you're flying through random open windows, it seems easier. Yeah, and you're also saving someone from having to fix a door. So that's exactly. just... Exactly. It's that's really just, kind. It's courteous of you if you're going to break into somebody's apartment. I'm going to say flying through win- random open windows. This is a big one. Jimmy Olsen... Or James Olsen? This is this is the question. This is it. This is the ultimate. <laughs> I'm gonna go Jimmy Olsen. Ooh, I'm I'm gonna go Jimmy Olsen as well. I thought I was gonna go James, and I zagged at the last minute. <laughs> That's what my heart told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we put the respect on James, the grown man Olsen's name, but we did. There is there is some some uh you know nostalgic feelings to to jimmy olsen that i feel there's nothing like classic jimmy olsen um okay best way for james to come back walk through the catco doors with cat grant who wants to take back catco or joining the crossover event as jimmy olsen and his newsboy legion people we know what this answer is going to be although there's that added element of Cat Grant. I know, which is tough. Part of me wants to see Cat Grant come back. So do I do I pick Cat Co- Codors because Cat Grant is in there? Because then that gives me Cat Grant. Mm, it's a tough one. I think I'm going to have to go do Spoy Legion because I think that's something we haven't seen before. I love Cat Grant. I want to see her back. But I'm on good news, Boy Legion. As much as I would love to see Cat Grant back, she's one of the best. I mean... That newsboy, I just, I just want to see somebody throw a rolled up newspaper at a villain. <laughs> That's what I want. So I'm going newsboy legion too. <laughs> um, okay, we have, we have a couple snap judgments from Supergirl writer. Uh, James employing kids and teaching them how to sleep under the desk, or James creating a turtle boy squad with the kids in the town. So this is a twist on the newsboy legion. Instead yeah. of being newsies, they're just all <laughs> turtle boys. They're just all turtle boys. He just makes a like an unholy <laughs> legion of turtle boys. What is the origin story of that? I I, I feel like that's some Lena Luther stuff right there. Like mm. he calls Lena and he's like, you know, I'm just I I really like these kids really need something to guide them. And she's and Lena's like, I don't know, I'm thinking of something. And in the background, Hope goes, What if they all became turtle boys? <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously I'm going with the turtle boy squad. I don't think that's, that's in contention. (laughs) Well, I think for these 
these kids, maybe it would be beneficial for them to know how to sleep under a desk. If times are tough. Yeah, times and- are tough. There's no adults in that town. <laughs> and you're breaking into people's houses anyway. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's a skill they need to learn. So I, I think I'm going to say sleep under, under the desk. Okay. Malefic interacting with Lena or with Hope? I mean, I'm going to pick Hope. I mean, Hope, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I want that buddy comedy. <laughs> I want <laughs> I want them to become best friends. <laughs> and like later Lena's like, okay, we gotta get rid of Malefic. Like he's we gotta send him to the Phantom Zone. And Hope is like, no, we are braiding each other's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Hope is like making one of those like uh best friend necklaces and then like she gets really upset and breaks it apart. She's like, oh no. <laughs> How will he ever get his piece? <laughs> I'm just really invested in this. I just love hope so much. Uh, so our last uh, snap judgment is from Jen. Um, she asked, stuck in the phantom zone, arguing Earth 38 legislative plot holes, or having to solve a visioneer square with no instructions on how to solve one. Oh, thank you. FYI, it's pronounced Visionaire, French, and it's very difficult to solve. Yeah, uh, thank you, Jen. I, I took French in high school, but now when I see French, I try to say it with the English way that you would pronounce pronounce it because I'm so trying to to say things in English. So it's, it's hard for me because normally if I see a French word, I'll I'll want to say it as French, but then I like remember I'm speaking in English, and I know that sometimes they're different. So anyway, yeah, visionaire uh, would probably be pretty close. So that's a good call. So stuck in the phantom zone with Earth thirty eight legislative plot holes, or having to solve uh, a visionaire square. I'm gonna say I would probably dominate the debate in the phantom zone arguing about the legislative plot holes. I think that's right up my alley. Uh, I, I'm not good with uh, solving problems or anything that has to do with, you know, like riddles and things. So I'm going to go uh, being stuck in the Phantom Zone arguing about Earth-38 legislative plot holes. Yeah, I'm going plot holes all the way. I mean, I'm not going to be able to solve that other one or pronounce it. So definitely. the. Le- I mean, we're, ar- we're already good at that. We're yes. already good at I mean, we've had practice on the first one. <laughs> yeah, people in the Phantom Zone are like, "Oh, she's talking about the Alien Amnesty Act again." God, I feel like they would probably be like, "We get there the first day, and they're like all kind of like acting tough." And we we're like, "Hey, do you know about the Alien Amnesty Act?" Because honestly, it doesn't make any sense. And they're like, "Oh no!" And then, and then by day two, no one's no one's messing with us because they just can't hear it anymore. <laughs> That's how you deal with prisoners who get stuck in the Phantom Zone. They might seem scary. <laughs> But you don't have to worry about it. You just uh, talk talk about things that nobody wants to hear about, and you'll be fine. But but have you tried boring them? (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. (laughs) No judgments on your snap judgments. Well, that is going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on In Plain Sight. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You uh, 
can call us and leave us a voicemail at 678-718-7252. Make sure to get all that feedback in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that also includes music featured on and inspired by the show. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser, so you can find us there. You can also find us on dccomics.com slash dc-fans on DC Comics official fan page. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And if that seems like a lot of information, which I know it is, you can just go to supergirlradio.com and you can find all those links to everything I just mentioned on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Macho Man for the DCTV plugs. Oh, yes, yeah, the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DCTV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow... The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter. And like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. Oh yeah, dig it! You can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid and Instagram at the Derby Kid. I am also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. And if you want to hear me do a little voice acting, uh, which hopefully would be a lot better than me trying to be Lena Luther. I'm not very good. I would not be a good Lena Loser, but you can subscribe to a sketch comedy uh, podcast called The Fakest, which is very funny, very well written, uh, also features uh, a Morgan Glennon sometimes being very funny. Ooh. So you should definitely check that out. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And also as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we are going to be recording an episode soon, I think. <laughs> I think I think I promise this to you is that we're going to record another episode the, uh, n- next month. <laughs> this month, this month, next month, one of the months. We're on the precipice of a month is the thing. Uh, <laughs> sometime in November is going to be coming a brand new episode right to you. And it's going to be exciting. And just just wait for it. <laughs> I will be anticipating it at some point. I'm trying to build up buzz. <laughs> oh that will be something uh very fun to look forward to well i think that's going to do it for our episode on in plain sight but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan glennon and remember standing up for what's right always means something (laughs) 